Oh, hello and welcome to the Worcester Talking newspaper recorded on Thursday the 25th of January 2018 by kind permission of the editor of the Worcester News. Um, We're all very conscious of the fact that it's Burns Night uh, and we're all getting in the (laughs) Scottish mood here. Duncan's got his kilt on and... uh, Paddy's brought in her bagpipes, and with a, with a bit of luck, we won't hear from them later on. And uh, as I speak, uh, Moira is steadily working her way through a bottle of single malt, so uh, Very nice it could all kick off later, folks. I'll sit round. I don't think so. Your team this week are Paddy, Moira, Janet, Duncan, Hugh, Julie, and Barry. And as usual, we have this week's headlines, birthdays, uh, family announcements and letters to the editor. Lighting up times this week are 4.43pm to 7.58am. This week's headlines are Friday the 19th, police on the buses. Uh, from Saturday the 20th, child rapist jailed for 21 years. Monday the 22nd, you may now feed the bride. Tuesday the 23rd, jailed, man who drove wrong way down dual carriageway. Uh, Wednesday the 24th, road too dangerous for a lollipop lady. And finally, today, Thursday the 25th, school hub opens. Okay, well we'll get on with the uh, family announcements. Winifred Ann Bull Nemos, late of Grimley, passed away December the 30th, 2017. Um, Irene Kirkus, known as Reeney, formerly of Northwick, Worcester, peacefully died on January the 15th, 2018, aged 95 years. Um, Gwen Shearer, Passed away peacefully in hospital on Saturday the 13th, 2018, aged 93 years. Uh, Arthur William Futrell uh, passed away peacefully January the 8th, 2018. Denise Rogers passed away peacefully at home on January the 9th, aged 86 years. David William Walters passed away peacefully December the 22nd, 2017, aged 67 years. Reginald Charles Ernest, known as Ernie Scarrett, passed away peacefully on December the 29th, 2017, aged 87 years. Uh, And Beryl Robinson, Knee North passed away December the 23rd 2017 aged 82 (coughs) excuse me at Shaw Red Hill Nursing Home London Road Geoffrey Robert Simons sadly passed away on January the 8th aged 88 years (coughs) Sandra Diane Cole Passed away on January the 10th, aged 64 years. Kathleen, known as Kathy Rogers, passed away 
peacefully at Shrubbery Avenue Nursing Home, aged 81, on Tuesday the 16th, after a long illness. And William, known as Bill, Arthur Vincent OBE, a retired district judge from Worcester Nevesham, died peacefully at home after a short illness. <coughs> There's more, I'm afraid. Joan Banks passed away peacefully on January the 6th, 2018, aged 81 years. Joan Elizabeth Kernock Nee Hughes passed away peacefully on January the 5th, aged 91 years. And Pamela Parsi passed away peacefully on December the 22nd, aged 74. Janet Gom passed away peacefully on January the 9th, 2018, aged 71 years. And Thelma Troth passed away peacefully in hospital January the 8th, 2018, aged 84. Joan Elizabeth Kernock Nee Hughes passed away peacefully on January the 15th, aged 91 years. Anthony David John known as Tony Milner, passed away at home on January the 4th, aged 80 years. Thelma June Evans of Red Hill, passed away peacefully on December the 28th, uh, aged 89 years. Patricia Ann, known as Pat Postens, Nee Freeman, formerly of Worcester, and Charlesley Walsh, passed away peacefully at Stanfield Nursing Home, Rushwick, on January the 13th, aged 75 years. Clifford Geoffrey Goodman of Holt Heath, passed away peacefully at home on Tuesday, January the 2nd, aged 84 years. And Donald Pritchard passed away on January the 10th, aged 86 years. <coughs> Paul Anthony Warner passed away on January the 11th, aged 57 years. That's the end of the family announcements. And here's Moira with the first headline. Okay, my headline is police on the buses. And there's a brilliant picture of a bus with three police officers on it and about seven passengers looking really impressed. <coughs> Police officers are now riding on buses at peak times as a way of building stronger bonds with communities and being more proactive in the fight against crime. From Wednesday this week, so that was last Wednesday, um, police and community support officers will travel on first buses between Worcester Bus Station and Malvern and between the City Bus Station and Dines Green, the 44 and 30 services. The service will also cover Tembury and surrounding rural areas and similar partnerships have been agreed with R&B Travel and Yarrington's. These mobile surgeries are designed to reach out to the public and build even stronger relationships between officers and the communities they serve, particularly in rural areas. The idea, developed by West Mercia Police, with the backing of FIRST, will allow people to report issues affecting them and their communities. It is hoped the scheme, the first of its kind in Worcester and Malvern, will make officers more accessible and approachable to the public. 
Inspector Chris Percival of Worcester Safer Neighbourhood Team said he hoped the scheme would be of mutual benefit to the public, the bus company and the police. This is an alternative way of having the police accessible to their communities where people using the buses can easily interact with them, he said. They can raise any concerns with us about antisocial behaviour and criminality. It's a fresh idea, a fresh approach to allow members of the public to raise any concerns they have about crime or antisocial behaviour or anything else they believe to be important to improve their community. We hope to speak to a cross-section of people. We are hoping that doing this at peak times will provide some of our communities better access to the police and increase our visibility within these communities, especially the more rural communities. It will also help Midland First with reducing any antisocial behaviour on their network which affects other passengers. There is as yet no end date for the scheme, with the potential for it to be extended to other rural routes should it prove successful. Any issues reported do not have to be linked to problems on the buses, but can be about anything of concern in the community, a police spokesman said. (coughs) If anyone has issues requiring a more imminent response, then they should still call 101 or 999 in an emergency. A predatory paedophile who raped (coughs) and sexually assaulted a child in the 1970s is now behind bars more than 40 years after he began abusing her. Michael Daniel appeared shocked and pale after a judge jailed him for 21 years at Worcester Crown Court on Friday for the abuse he carried out in the city between August 1969 and August 1973. Members of the defendant's family gasped in the public gallery and some wept in the corridor outside the courtroom once Judge Nicholas Cartwright delivered his sentence. The 67-year-old had denied sexually abusing the young girl, telling police she was living in cloud cuckoo land and telling a pack of lies. When the girl, aged between 8 and 12 at the time, threatened to tell others what Daniel had done to her, he told her, no one will believe you. But it was the victim who wept as she gave evidence behind a screen, not Daniel, the jury jury believed. The seven women and five men unanimously found Daniel guilty on all nine counts. Grandfather Daniel, wearing a grey suit, shook his head in the dock after the foreman of the jury announced that they had found him guilty of one count of rape, six counts of indecent assault and two counts of indecency with a child following his five-day trial. At the time of the abuse, Daniel, now of Newtown Road, Worcester, was a toolmaker living in Drake Avenue, Dines Green, and later in Henry Street, Barbourne. He carried out his abuse in a bed and in his car, which he drove to a dead end known locally as Co-op Lane, leaving the victim in terrible pain afterwards. The complainant described how once After Daniel abused her, she watched the Beatles on television as they sang Help, and although she wanted help, 
She felt she could not ask for it. She told the jury, I felt ashamed, I still do. It was only in February 2016 that she contacted police after receiving counselling. She had told others, including health professionals, about the abuse many times, the first time in 1983. Mm -hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. Judge Nicholas Cartwright's sentencing said she was nothing but a child when you first met her and got to know her. You corrupted her. It is no exaggeration to say you have ruined her life. Daniel had already served a 30-month prison sentence in 1974 for burglary with intent to commit rape and assault, occasioning actual bodily harm against an adult woman. Daniel lay in wait for her in a cupboard in her home in Northwick, Worcester, before he jumped out and attempted to rape her. Judge Cartwright described this as truly scandalous and a predatory offence. He added it was only her screams that stopped you going as far as you intended, which was to rape her. <coughs> he also said it provided an insight into the kind of person Daniel was at that time. Judge Cartwright said Daniel had managed to convince his second wife he was not guilty of burglary with intent to commit rape, despite having previously admitted the offence. He added, You have had the considerable benefit of 43 years of normal family life, unlike the complainant who has endured a life entirely overshadowed by what you did to her when she was a young girl. When you were arrested and during the trial process, you have shown not one shred of remorse for what you did to her. He told Daniel that the sentencing regime had now attached far more gravity to sexual offences of this kind than when he was jailed in 1974. Judge Cartwright told him the effect on the complainant, as detailed in her personal statement, was beyond extreme, and she had been particularly vulnerable because of her youth. The statement said Daniel's abuse had destroyed her relationship with her parents and resulted in an inability to form a normal, loving relationship with her husband. She was misdiagnosed with bipolar disorder and given the wrong medication until she was correctly diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder, the cause being the abuse she suffered at the hands of Daniel. The 21-year sentence will include a three-year extended license period. When he has served half of his sentence, he will have to apply to the parole board before he is released to serve the rest of his sentence on license. DC Tracy Ruff of Worcester CID, the officer in the case, said afterwards, this verdict is a great result for the victim, who has had to live with the pain and trauma of these offences for over 40 years, after being told by the defendant that no one would believe her. I also hope it will encourage other victims of sexual abuse who have never felt able to report to police to come forward. 
Anyone who has been the victim of a sexual offence is encouraged to report the incident to police, where specifically trained officers will help victims with care and sensitivity and will work to get the right result for them with their wishes in mind. Alternatively, there are many agencies you can approach for help, guidance or support which offer a variety of services. She said more information could be found by visiting uh, 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 an internet site. An NSPCC spokesman said Daniel might have believed had he got away with these appalling crimes, but this case shows once again that it is never too late for survivors to, of, of abuse to seek justice. Now I've got a picture of a bride and groom <coughs> with the caption, You may now feed the bride. And there's a report on the reception with photographs. Most people spend thousands of pounds on their wedding reception, but a couple from Worcester decided for a low-key affair on their big day at KFC. More than 40 guests saw Cherish and Edward Sims tie the knot at City Hall 18 months ago, before tucking into bargain buckets and fries at the fast food restaurant in the Elgar Retail Park at Blackpool. Mrs Sims, who's 34, from Hold Heath, said it was amazing. The staff were great. They put balloons up and dressed the tables and we had the whole place to ourselves. Why, lovely. I like KFC and my husband likes KFC, so we always go in. We just wanted to have a fun and relaxed wedding where people could be themselves and not too formal. Everyone loves chicken, so we couldn't really go wrong. Chicken, fries and all the sides were dished out to the guests while we were waited on hand and foot, said the full-time mum to youngest 10 and Ellie 11. However, she admitted KFC staff were quite shocked when she rang up six months beforehand to inquire about holding her wedding reception there. They were like, oh, you want to do what? She said the restaurant had never held such an event before and she kept ringing up every month to make sure it was still able to go ahead. They just kept asking me, are you sure, she said. Despite the whole restaurant being reserved for the wedding, the couple did not have to pay a booking fee, only the cost of the food. Once everything was eaten, everybody had to shakes, whoops, shakes eye, shakes, snakes shakes. Sorry about that. Fast food restaurant in Angel Street for around 8 p.m. when the back room and bar had been reserved for the party. Did they not eat at KFC then? Sorry? Did they not eat at KFC? They're pudding shakies. Wait a minute, I've got lost now. Sorry. Uh, With (laughs) Tramps DJ Christopher O'Neill providing the music. Mrs. Sims, originally from London, said family and friends were surprised when they were told the plan for the wedding, with some asking, are you really getting married there? She said, they knew it would be a bit quirky and not your standard wedding in a village hall, but particularly with how much effort Shakey's had put in, said everything looked amazing. 
Mrs. Sims said that Mr. Sims, who's 48 and works for Partex's direct in Pershaw, had proposed to her on Christmas Day in front of everybody in my apron in my Christmas hat. Following the wedding, the couple then headed to Amsterdam for their two-week honeymoon. <coughs> Mrs. Sims said that they had initially shopped around for other more traditional wedding reception venues, but their original choice was £3,000 for the basic package. However, while the bride herself decided against having a wedding dress, and made her own bouquet, Mr. Sims was properly kitted out in a wedding suit and his mum made the wedding cake. Mrs. Sims says she hopes more people will break away from some of the trappings of traditional weddings and do what makes them feel happy. I hope people do weddings for themselves and not to show off to other people, she said, which is so true. I hope people... can just come together collectively as a family. Weddings are about around everybody that you love. The most important thing is to have a bit of fun on your wedding day and not to be uncomfortable and to be scurrying around for months and months to get everything done. The wedding took place on August the 3rd, 2016 and a couple planned to celebrate their two-year anniversary this summer at the same KFC. <laughs> <laughs> it happened to you. That's the headline story. <coughs> it says here that they got married in 2016. Crazy. I've got jailed. A man who drove wrong way down the dual carriageway. dangerous driver who drove the wrong way down a dual carriageway during a high-speed police chase has been jailed. Scott Futrell accelerated to more than 100 miles per hour and drove the wrong way down the A449 dual carriageway near Worcester, forcing other motorists to take evasive action and leaving some fearing for their lives. The 25-year-old who had two Passengers, two passengers with him, travelled the wrong way around several roundabouts and traffic islands, drove the wrong side of keep left bollards and ran a grandmother off the road as he bullied his way past terrified motorists. The woman's two grandchildren were in the car when Futural forced her, her car off the road. In a victim personal statement, she said, I feel this incident could have caused death. Judge Nicholas Cartwright told Futrell that it was one of the worst examples of dangerous driving he had ever seen. It became so dangerous that a trained pursuit officer, PC Carl Lacey, had to call off the chase on Tuesday, October 24th last year. The incident was captured on two dashcam videos played to the court. One shows a white van overtaking another vehicle. The driver was forced to pull sharply into the inside lane to avoid a head-on crash with Futrell. The other show, Futrell, of Chedworth Drive, warned in Worcester, weaving in and out of lanes on the A449 on the approach to the claims roundabout, knocking over traffic cones as the other driver calls Futrell an idiot. Futrell had already admitted dangerous driving, driving without insurance, 
driving otherwise than in accordance with the licence and making off without payment when he appeared at Worcester Crown Court on Monday. Simon Cooper prosecuting said police had been searching for the Punto in connection with an incident the previous day, although there was no suggestion Futrell had been involved in this. The Fiat, the Fiat Punto, driven on false plates, had made off from a service station at Broomhall near Worcester. Future had filled up but failed to pay for the fuel. PC Car Lacey followed Future in his unmarked car on the B4636 towards Kroll at around 12.40pm after the Punto was first spotted by officers on push bikes. Future spread through, sorry, Future sped through Tiberton at 60 miles per hour, twice the speed limit of the 30 mile per hour. PC Lacey described Futrell as overtaking and bullying other drivers. He entered Tagwell Road in Droitwich, driving at 50 miles per hour in a 30 mile per hour, forcing other drivers to take evasive action. The officer said it had become a dangerous pursuit. He was concerned because it was half term and there could be children playing in the road. Futrell continued on the B4090 forcing his way through traffic on the wrong side of the road into Salt Way and from there onto Wombersley Way and Westwood Way, where the officers described the defendant as brake-checking him twice as they headed towards the 838. The officer said, At this stage, I abandoned the pursuit due to its dangerous nature. The officer had never seen driving this dangerous since he became a pursuit trained officer in 2005. On the A449, Futrell drove across a traffic island, abandoning the car in Hawthorne Drive in Worcester at 12.55pm and hiding in a shed. Judith Kenny, defending, asked the judge to suspend any prison sentence, arguing that there was a realistic prospect of rehabilitation. She said immediate custody would result in significant harmful impact on others. She asked he be given maximum credit for his early guilty plea. Miss Kenny said Futrell had panicked and that his arrest had been peaceful. Judge Cartwright said one shudders to think what would have happened had there been a head-on collision between your vehicle and another innocent driver travelling the other way. It is hard to imagine a worse case of dangerous driving. There are further aggravating features. You and two others in the vehicle with you, putting their lives as well as your own life at risk. You weren't injured. You haven't even passed your driving test. Oh, it gets better, doesn't it? Yeah. <coughs> Judge Cartwright jailed him for 16 months and banned him from driving for three years. Future must also complete an extended driving retest. Well, he hasn't yeah, even done the first one. <laughs> <laughs> there will be no separate penalties for no insurance in driving otherwise right. than in accordance with the licence. A concurrent sentence of a week in custody was imposed for making off without payment. The oh. judge made a <laughs> deprivation order, deprivation order, Walker, in relation to the punto. Mm. Oh, no fun. Was it a stolen punto? No, I don't think so. They put, oh, they'd got probably. false plates on. It wasn't. I don't think it was stolen. So. Okay. Right. My headline then is "Road Too Dangerous for a Lollipop Lady." 
A road outside a primary school was deemed too dangerous for a lollipop lady by the county council, despite hundreds of pupils having to cross the street. County councillors are now questioning why children are still being forced to take their chances when walking across Green Lane, Worcester, to reach St Barnabas Primary School, more than a year since the previous lollipop lady left. Councillors want to see the immediate installation of a crossing outside St Barnabas Primary School after three near misses where children were almost hit by cars in recent months. Worcester County Council found it could not employ a lollipop lady at the site due to the traffic situation and its duty of care to employees. The council has now announced that a zebra crossing will be installed outside the school within the next year. Speaking at Friday's county council meeting, Councillor Paul Denham said, Can I ask why it's taken more than a year to replace the lollipop lady in St Barnabas? Could it be because when the post was advertised last year, the advert had to be withdrawn because a risk assessment carried out by an officer of this council decided that it was not safe enough to employ a trained adult wearing a high-vis jacket and holding a lollipop because of the traffic situation. She said the traffic was travelling too quickly and didn't always stop. How can it possibly be safe then for children crossing the road? Sarah Hansen, head of the school, said she couldn't believe the council's stance. I find it astonishing that the county council risk assessment found that it's not safe for an adult to cross the road safely, yet they are quite happy to allow 420 children from the primary school to do so, she said. Addressing the council's pledge to build a crossing within the next year, Miss Hansen said, I think it's very vague. We have already waited for 13 months. We've already had two accidents which have had police involvement. We had another near miss with a child in year one, one week back after Christmas in January. The mum was taking her son across the road after school. A driver didn't see and nearly hit them. The parent didn't go to the police. She believes that the council conducted a risk assessment of the road in June. County Councillor Matthew Jenkins added, because of the accident that happened with that young girl in December, it has been pushed at the priority list. I think it was the tipping point. We are hoping the crossing will be done this year. It's needed because there are two schools in this area and most of the people live on the other side of the road. Councillor Lucy Hodgson, Cabinet Member for Communities, said... The longer-term plan within the next year for St Barnabas is to have a zebra crossing installed. This will mean that it is unlikely that the site will meet the criteria for school crossing patrol. Meanwhile, the advert to replace the post until the zebra crossing is installed has been republished. Parents are reminded that they are responsible for their children's safety at all times and the council will work with schools to improve communication and to take on board any concerns they have. Councillor Hodgson added that the council offers road safety and pedestrian training to every primary or middle school student in the country. The Worcester News did not receive a response when it asked the council how it could hire a a lollipop lady after the risk assessment said it was too dangerous. Shouldn't that be a lollipop person? (gasps) Yes! But there's a big speed hump outside that school, so... So there's no excuse? They just believe Yeah. Okay. A new city hub on a school's grounds will bring exceptional support to the heart of the community, said the principal. 
The old caretaker's house on the grounds of Oasis Academy Warnden has been transformed from a three-bedroom bungalow into a community space launched on Wednesday. The project was part of Fortis Living's annual Communities Week initiative, which took place at the end of September, with an aim to improve what is on offer for local people. Numerous organisations and residents from around Warnden and nearby mucked in to help bring the scheme to fruition in the style of BBC refurbishment show DIY SOS. Those at the ribbon cutting ceremony included Oasis Academy principal Emily Hobson, founder of Oasis Charitable Trust, Reverend Stephen Chalk MBE, and Fortis Executive of Housing Care and Communities, Claire Jackson. Mrs Hobson said, We feel incredibly lucky to have been Fortis's focus for Communities Week and would like to say a big thank you to Fortis and all of their partners who have so generously facilitated our new hub. The Oasis Hub vision is so much further ahead as a result. This means we can work with other with the other two hubs in our region and the Oasis charity nationally to fulfill the Oasis Warnden vision to bring exceptional support to the heart of the community and enable services and opportunities crucial to this development. We cannot wait to see the facilities busy with people. The new centre will also be a resource for the school as well as offering events and initiatives including baby groups, adult classes and debt advice sessions. Adam Rudge, Operations Manager at Fortis Living said, We are absolutely delighted to have been able to work with the school on this fabulous facility. It looks set to have a really positive impact on local residents and as a project it has served as a thoroughly rewarding example of people coming together to serve their communities. We are justifiably proud that it has now come to fruition. It is a testimony to the hard work and dedication of our staff, suppliers and contractors, and we would like to say a very big thank you to everyone involved in making it happen. <coughs> Last year, Oasis Academy was allowed to take on the lease for the on-site children's centre, Lavender. A spokesman confirmed that the new hub is not related to that centre. <coughs> so now we'll move on with some other stories over the last seven days. Who would like to start us off? Well, I've got an interesting headline here. <coughs> Knife woman... Knife woman in bra and knickers. How about that? Sounds good to me. A father woke up in his bed to find a knife-wielding woman standing over him in her bra and knickers. Richard Hill, aged 44, said he was terrified when he saw the intruder holding three carving knives above him at around 4am in the morning. The former doorman believes the woman who is in her 20s snuck into his home and took the knives from the kitchen. 
Mr. Hill of Oldbury Road, Worcester, said for a second or two that I was terrified. I grabbed her wrists and tried to calm her down a bit. I've been stabbed a couple of times working the doors, I suppose, being a doorman. I wasn't as scared then as I was this time. I got her onto the sofa to try and talk to her very carefully. I was trying to get her to snap out of the situation she was in. She obviously has problems. <laughs> she was saying, people are trying to kill me. She was incoherent. I calmed her down and got the police to come. He said the woman entered his home through an unlocked door, which he only ever locks when his two children are staying with him. Mr Hill, who now works as a maths tutor, also claimed that the intruder drank some of his whisky before sneaking into his bedroom. He said, I have a bottle on my kitchen side. The bottle was sealed and now it's half empty. He emphasised that he's concerned for the woman's mental health and will not press charges against her. Mr Hill was previously jailed for five years for having an illegal sawn-off shotgun at his home. He said he kept the weapon to protect his family as he was the boss of a security firm at that time. He added that the mental health courses and Samaritan's work he did in prison were helpful when he was trying to calm the woman. A spokesman for West Mercia Police <coughs> Police were called to the concerns for the safety of a woman who was reported to have entered a property on Oldbury Road about 4am in the morning. The woman, aged in her 20s, was detained under the Mental Health Act and taken to hospital for specialist medical care. Nobody is reported to have been injured during the incident. Takes all sorts. <laughs> <laughs> I've um, got one here. TV dancer opens new arts centre. A television dancing star has been in Worcester to officially open the new home for all sorts performing arts. Warren Bullock, star of Channel 5's Baby Ballroom, that gives an insight into the lives of top junior ballroom couples, dropped into the popular theatre school on Sunday to open the permanent base at Medway Youth and Community Centre. Worcester Municipal Charities has helped support the move to the Medway Road-based centre for all sorts, which has built a reputation for offering musical theatre, singing, cheerleading and drama classes. The school is run by qualified teachers and hard-working volunteers and will continue to also run care home performances, after school clubs, workshops and the popular annual pantomime. Numbers have grown of the school with 60 children, 10 to a class on Saturdays. Mr Bullock said, it's great to be here in Worcester to open this new dance studio. It certainly is a good space. Dancing is a great social skill. It teaches discipline, coordination, rhythm, and I think it is a great thing for the community. With the success of Strictly Come Dancing and our show, I think dancing has seen a real surge of interest from children and adults alike. People are attracted to the glamour, the excitement of it. School principal Stuart Inglis said, 
We needed this move. It is a great opportunity for us. We wanted a permanent base that we can grow. I think they meant so that we can grow. We want to grow the space, build a stage and lighting and do children's parties. We are applying for funding for that. This is going to benefit the community a lot. The social integration, it's life skills for children. Sorry, that didn't sound right. This is going to benefit the community a lot and the social integration. It's life skills for the children. The centre is being shared with Worcester's Action for Youth, which runs a youth club and toddler group. The school is welcoming new members from age 3 to 16 years old. You can visit their website on all sorts of pa.co.uk or ring 01905 317 580. So if you've got some children, send them to Medway Road. I like the sort of the all sorts myself. <laughs> Right, I've got a picture of a very cute-looking Westie called Oscar. However, police are appealing for witnesses after a totally unprovoked attack on the dog left the pet with deep wounds. On Thursday afternoon last week at around 2.20pm, a woman was out walking her pet dog Oscar, a West Highland White Terrier in Nunnery Wood, when the attack happened. It was a totally unprovoked attack, said the woman, who did not wish to be named. It has happened before last summer with the same dog. It is a black husky Alsatian, which is distinctive as it has white paws. Mm. This time, Oscar recognised the dog and tried to avoid it, but the dog attacked him again. We took him to the vets. He was shaking. The dog has taken a massive bite and left open deep wounds. We will have to go back to the vets on Monday. She added, that dog is a regular in the woods. It needs to be kept on a lead or muzzled. The owner was nowhere to be seen when it happened. I was in shock, absolute shock and distressed. The woman posted a Facebook post the woman posted a Facebook post appealing for information and subsequently received many messages of support. The post has since been taken down after people shared stories of the same dog attacking their pets with the information then being passed to police. Laura Maltby, a spokesman for West Mercia Police, said Police were made aware of a report of a dog being bitten by another dog in Nunnery Wood on Thursday. Inquiries are currently ongoing. <coughs> Anyone who witnessed the incident is asked to call West Mercia Police on 101, quoting incident number 512S of 18 January. A night shelter that operates in Worcester for rough sleepers when temperatures hit zero is regularly opening this winter as the cold night temperatures continue. Worcester City Council Countywide Homelessness Contractor CCP and Mags Day Centre based in the city centre work together to run the shelter under a severe weather emergency protocol. Since the first opening of the season on November the 24th the shelter at Mags has been put into action more than 20 times due to the freezing conditions. An average of 10 people have been using it each night, and a rough sleeper's dog has also stayed there on some nights. <coughs> each time the shelter opens, CCP staff head out across the county to alert rough sleepers 
and organised transport for them to get to mags. In some cases, local police have also helped with transport. <coughs> ben Bradley was the city council's single homelessness pathways officer said, there's always a big focus on the homeless and people sleeping rough in the run up to Christmas. However, our work with them carries on across the year. With the freezing temperatures continuing after the festive season, the night shelter is continuing to open regularly and CCP officers are helping rough sleepers to start turning their lives around. Housing has been found for three people who were sleeping rough. Another four have been helped to apply for temporary accommodation and medical checkups have been arranged for three night shelter attendees. The night shelter at Mags can accommodate up to 18 people, which has been adequate so far this winter. If demand is higher, the City Council will arrange temporary bed and breakfast accommodation elsewhere. If you are concerned about someone sleeping rough, please get in touch so we can connect them to local services. You can do so by calling 0300 500 0914. Storm Georgina brought with it heavy rain and winds with flood alerts issued as river levels increased. There was heavy rain on Wednesday morning, this is uh, today's paper, <clears throat> which led to a flood warning that immediate action is required, being issued for the River Severn at Severnham, Dukesbury. The Environment Agency, I realise I shouldn't be reading this, said <laughs> that the level recorded there was 3.38 metres, with expected rise and reached a peak, to reach a peak of 4.20 metres in the evening. A lesser flood alert that flooding is possible is to be prepared was also issued by the River Avon and River Severn in Worcestershire. Dave Throop, Environment Agency Manager for Herefordshire and Worcestershire, said, We're gauging high flows on the River Severn, a colossal 400 cubic metres, that is tonnes of water per second, going through Deerhurst. Measurements help us to calibrate our permanent river gauges and to improve our flood warnings. The rain led to localised flooding in some places, with motorists advised not to take the risk and to travel through deep water floods. Storm Georgina caused problems nationally, with the Met Office also issuing yellow warnings for high winds as gusts of 70 miles per hour to 80 miles per hour were recorded. The forecast for Worcestershire is sunny spells and sun showers for today, with it staying windy with speeds possibly up to 20 miles an hour in some places. The temperatures were set to drop to 5 degrees centigrade. The Met Office long-term forecast is for it to be dry and bright tomorrow and the rain is expected to return at the weekend. Okay, we're going to move on to letters now. So Moira, would you like to uh, start the proceedings? Yes, please. 
I got a letter from Simon Gardner and it, Sir, I was appalled to read in Chris Moncrief's Westminster View that he is happy for Donald Trump to be afforded a state visit to Britain. Yes, as American leader, he needs to be welcomed for talks about trade and world affairs. But a man who has shown himself to be ignorant in every sense of the word, blustering, two-faced bully, racist <laughs> and misogynist, who also gives open support to far-right organisations, should not be invited for a state visit and he should not be inflicted on our Queen. He is quite frankly a monster. And as to the other leaders Chris mentions, they were not universally welcomed. Uh, particularly Xi Jinping, whose visit sparked many protests, some of which were suppressed shamefully by our government. Right. Uh, this follows on the uh, saga of the proposed bell tower at Christopher Whitehead uh, School in Worcester. Sir, regular readers of this paper can't have failed to notice the noise surrounding the plans for a bell tower at Christopher Whitehead High School, St John's. While local residents have laid out their reasons for objecting to the construction of the tower, in the middle of a quiet neighbourhood, those behind the scheme have been conspicuously silent, a situation that I fear will not persist if this folly is built. Living nearby, I can, along with my neighbours, support and appreciate the school's desire to create a performing arts facility. However, the proposed bell tower is totally inappropriate for the site, especially as no one is able to say how often and when it will be used. I fear that the real purpose of this bell tower will be for training and practice of adult bell ringers in preparation for the national 12 bell striking competition and perhaps even the final. Can anyone imagine the upheaval this will cause in evenings and weekends? After all, these bells may be muted, but they will not be silent. Mm -hmm. A constant background noise of bell ringers making mistakes will be heard over a large area of St John's. My understanding is that the school requires funding for their new centre, and those behind the bell tower are willing to stump up the cash in exchange for their white elephant. In tough economic times, this might seem like a great deal, but it is a compromise too far and will result in a souring of the relationship between the school and the local community. If bell ringing is the popular money spinner that is being sold as, that it is being sold as, surely a better location can be found. Why not look at council-owned land adjacent to the hive? Our elected representatives seem to be deaf to the objections of their constituents and I fear these plans will simply be passed without adequate scrutiny or consideration of their impact. Objections can be made online at worcestergov.uk slash 629 reference P16C0601 and that was from Edward Morrison of Worcester. Yeah, Hugh's just taken <coughs> the wind out of my sails, but I would like to present the view of Lois Dandy of Worcester. 
who says we need to be told the truth. Sir, you ask who really wants these bells? The answer is Mr Mark Regan, bell-ringing master of the cathedral, who has stated that he wants Worcester to be the centre of excellence for bell-ringing. The bells have been bought and then donated by an associate of Mr Regan. Apparently, the viewing platform must face the cathedral, so it has to be said it is the cathedral who wants the bells. Those who have already given or intend to fund this tower will expect some return. Can we have the truth, please? Why choose Christopher Whitehead's college? Mr Reagan will be the bell captain and as such he will have absolute power over the tower. It is his intention to hold national competitions out of school hours. And that's just an extract of that. I'm, I'm sorry to follow it up. It needed to be said. Okay. Right, I've got a little one here from Graham Atkins of Poet in Worcester regarding Langdale Wood. Sir, in response to reading that Langdale Wood is closed the foreseeable future. It saddens me at the loss of such a beautiful part of our local countryside, which myself, my wife and our dog have always enjoyed walking along its many pathways. I very much understand the safety and risk factors which has brought about this decision by the landowners due to the recent high winds, although I cannot help thinking it may well have been influenced by the recent decision of the local council to turn down their planning application. I'm not quite sure what their planning application was. Mm. Having said that, I have to say that we have noticed since the recent interest and increase in activity from protest groups opposed to the development, which we were not in favour of, as it may well have ended up, as it is now, closed to the public noticed a very substantial increase of dog mess left by dog owners who are not paying attention to their dog's toilet habits. Or, as is often the view, it's not on my land, so why should I bother to clean it up? Even though there are waste bins provided, which gives us all responsible dog owners a very bad name. I was so disgusted with this mess and lack of responsibility that it would not surprise me if the landowners uphold this closure because of health and safety issues. It is a sad fact that access to other land has been lost to dog walking by this very irresponsible behaviour of dog owners. Local bylaws stipulate that if you must always have the means to clean up dog mess when you are in a public area and if not, can result in a fine of £100, along with other um, finable laws which apply to dog walking in public. It would be a very good step in the right direction if people protesting against the loss of this valuable wood and other walking areas took notice of who was abusing our right of way in this way before we lose them all. I'm not quite sure what the development was. That wasn't the, that was, Oh, was it Chalets? A letter here from Dr. Stephen Miller, a regional county chairman for the BMA West Midlands. Sir, yet again the NHS finds itself in a very difficult position 
as the inevitable pressures characteristic of the busy winter period have left healthcare services struggling to cope. A&E performance figures for December were the worst on record and at major A&E departments in Herefordshire and Worcestershire, just 66.6% of patients were seen within the four-hour target, below the national average of 77.6%. There are, of course, stories behind each of these statistics, stories of patients who, despite the best efforts of hard-working staff, who have been grafting tirelessly in increasingly difficult conditions are not getting the level of care they ultimately deserve from the NHS. On a wider level, there is the story of a government which, despite repeated warnings over the pressure the NHS will face this winter, failed to fund services adequately to prepare them for the inevitable challenges ahead. Politicians of all parties must come together and work towards a long-term funding plan for the NHS that will reverse this dangerous tide and ensure a more sustainable future. Here's a thought from Mr. M. Sorry, L. M. R. Presley, Worcester. Sir, travelling along New Road, Worcester, on Tuesday, January the 9th, among all the mess and disruption, which is to last 18 weeks, I counted 14 male workers standing around with their hands in their pockets. No wonder it'll take 18 weeks if there's no work being done. Probably more if the foreman's away. <laughs> mm. Right, I've got one here from Wendy Hans from Upton Pond 7. Disturbing adoption rate. Sir, I understand from the news that the UK have the highest rate of adoption in Europe. In the main, due to austerity... Sorry. In the main, due to austerity, family poverty and cuts in social work services. This seems to me an obscene indictment of our so-called democratic system of government, a disregard for human suffering and child welfare. Come on, Mrs May, daughter of a clergyman, get our act together. Well-balanced children are this country's future. OK, thanks for the letters. Now I think we'll get back to some stories and Moira's jumping at the bint bits to... Bint? <laughs> Sorry, it's the whiskey. <laughs> jumping at the bit to follow up on the uh, wedding reception at uh, KFC. I am, I am. Okay. I should hope so. A couple's decision to hold their wedding reception at KFC has divided opinion amongst readers of the Worcester News. Around 40 guests saw Cherish and Edward Sims get married at County Hall before heading to the fast food restaurant on Elgar Retail Park Blackpool, then Shakey's for the wedding party. Mrs Sims, 35, of Hold Heath said... I hope people do weddings for themselves and not to show off to other people. The most important thing is to have a bit of fun on your wedding day and not to be uncomfortable and be scurrying around for months and months to get everything done. Responding to the story on Facebook, 
Louise Morrell said, It was a fantastic idea, revealing that she had her reception at Pizza Hut in Orlando, Florida. As long as they are happy, they can do what they want. Good luck, guys, she wrote. <coughs> Similarly, Lisa Nash said that back in 2000, she had her reception at McDonald's on Hilton Road, Worcester. We had happy meals and McFlurries. Since divorced, but we certainly surprised... <laughs> certainly surprised the staff that day she added i hope they knew sure they were going however others were less impressed by the idea with mike lane writing indicative of modern life how sad and vanessa cantrell calling it disgusting one anonymous reader on the worcester news website said this must be a joke it sounds awful i can't believe anyone would want to go to shakey's and kfc for their wedding Mrs Sims said she and husband Edward, 48, had initially shopped around for other more traditional wedding reception venues, but their original choice was £3,000 for the basic package. One reader said, weddings do not have to be bank-breaking. Well, no, (laughs) clearly. Nowadays, weddings are so commercialised that the industry will have you start your family in debt. All magazines said that it will cost at least £10,000 for a good wedding. That's like a house deposit, a big lavish party, or a property investment, they added. Mm. We're loving it, aren't we? Hey, I like it. (laughs) Right, traffic congestion in and around Worcester could be eased uh, by making a stretch of the city's southern ring road a dual carriageway. That's the hope of Worcestershire County Council's Highways Department and members of Worcester City Council's planning committee will give their view of the plan. The county's highways team has to apply to the county council's own planning committee for permission to go ahead, but the city council gets to give its opinion this week. The plan is to make the single lane stretch of the A 4440 south of the city between the Poic roundabout and the Ketch roundabout, a distance of nearly two kilometres into a dual carriageway. There will also be two new bridges at Carrington Bridge and Poic Common Aqueduct, <coughs> and the footpath on the northern side will be widened by two, two metres to allow it to be both a footpath and cycleway with a bridge linking to the cycle paths running north-south at Poic Roundabout. A draft report by the Planning Committee says City Council fully supports the principle of the plan and adds there can be no doubt that these highway infrastructure improvements in association with the proposed A449 corridor improvements will improve journey times by a range of transport modes between Worcester and beyond, as well as to the M5 motorway. I think I beg to differ. The council's archaeology officer said the scheme has potential to enhance access to heritage, in particular relating to the Battle of Worcester. I thought that had finished. (laughs) Including improved design of the catch viewpoint with updated and enhanced interpretation. 
St. Peter the Great Parish Council, which represents residents living by the Ketch roundabout, is also in favour of the plan. Its response said, the millions spent on the upgrade to date between the Ketch and Whittington roundabouts would be wasted if the frustrating and pollution-causing pinch point of the Ketch roundabout weren't removed. It would also like to see a bandstand-style covering at the Ketch viewpoint, with the platform possibly raised and improved information boards. Did you know the Ketch pub was one of the places that Cromwell's troops stopped? To have refreshment on the way to the Battle of Worcester. No. Mm. Well, there you go. Oh, okay. Buddy? I, I hope it hadn't had, he hadn't had the lights going on it all day and it was all <laughs> dried up and vile. <laughs> Concern for tenants over the housing merger is my next headline. Fears have been raised about the future for social housing tenants in Worcester. If a plan put forward by Fortis Living to merge with another housing association comes off. Fortis Living, which is based in the city, took over the management of what were city, uh, Worcester City Council houses and flats when Worcester City Homes merged with Festival Homes in 2014. Now the company wants to merge with another housing association, Waterloo Housing Group, which is based in Solihull. The new association would own and manage a huge number of properties, around 45,000, with 120,000 tenants across the whole of central England. Fortis Living's website said the merger would allow the new group to build more affordable homes, around 2,000 each year, within five years, improve the quality and range of local services, improve our repairs and maintenance service. We will reinvest at £50 million a year into our existing homes and invest more in digital services. The association aims to merge at the start of October. One Worcester City Councillor, Councillor Roger Berry, who's Labour for Gorse Hill, has raised the matter for discussion at the Council's community committees next week. He said, the worry is that this new association will be, association will be too big and I'm concerned about the future for the residents in Worcester. Fortis Living is already consolidating its offices in Worcester and will be closing its Morven and Warnden offices. Waterloo Housing has lots more properties in the East Midlands, so how long would Fortis Living's office stay here in the city? Will the new association move to its offices, say, Birmingham, equidistant between the two? Councillor Berry added, they have proposed this merger without once talking to the council. I'm worried about what seems to be a lack of accountability. A spokesman for Fortis Living said that all its tenants were informed of the plan in December and added, we have no plans to move away from Worcester, quite the opposite. We're just about to start on site building of our new Worcester base. 
The Communities Committee will meet at the Guildhall at 7pm on Wednesday, January the 31st. So, watch this space. Okay. It's got a news in brief. Appeal after a raid. Police are continuing to appeal for information after masked thieves threatened a shop owner and stole almost £1,000 and several bottles of vodka in a raid on a shop. Two men entered Premier Albury convenience shop on the corner of Tolladine Road and Albury Park Road at Worcester in Worcester at 8.58pm on Tuesday. The owner was counting money on the counter minutes before he was due to lock up for the night when they entered. One took bundles of money while the other grabbed bottles of vodka from behind the till before they fled on foot towards Albury Park Road. Please call 101 quoting incident 657S of January 16 should you know anything about this or if okay. anybody tries to sell you a bottle of vodka. Cheap. <laughs> we know something. Um, a good Samaritan is given £200 to a father of three after he was fined £900 for leaving his children's toys in a communal garden. Former City Councillor Rob Peachy described the penalty as outrageous and offered his support to Ben Keach, who is currently on benefits. Mr Keach of Lingmel Court, Worcester, previously said he could only afford to pay the fine at a rate of £3.70 a week. But his landlord, West Mercia Homes, argued that it had taken legal action as a last resort and described the donation as heartwarming. Mr Peachy said, It seems to me quite unreasonable, both on behalf of the judiciary and the housing association. What sort of a world are we living in? I think a family with three kids are going to want somewhere for their children to play. In a small two-bedroomed house, it's overcrowded. It's outrageous. Mr Peachy of York Place, Worcester, added that he was astonished by the excessively high fine. Mr Keach thanked the former councillor for his kind donation. The 24-year-old received the fine from West Mercia Homes on Monday, January the 8th, after the Housing Association told him that the toys posed a fire risk. He said some of the items he left in the garden outside his home included a fence, small table, wooden swing, roll-up swimming pool, toy vehicles and chairs. Mr Keach claimed that he put up the fence around two years ago after neighbours moved in with dogs. A spokesman for West Mercia Homes previously said the Housing Association had been trying to resolve the issue since July 2016. The spokesman added, The generosity of this particular member of the public is heartwarming. We appreciate that some readers will find our stance tough However, we made every effort to resolve this with Mr Keach before going to court. When customers signed for a tenancy with us, they agreed to certain conditions about how they will live in the home. If they fail to meet these conditions, we will take action and in rare cases that means the matter goes to court. Mr Keach previously said that he has removed the items from the area and no longer allows his children to use the garden due to dog mess. Celebrated Worcestershire artist David Birtwistle has a new exhibition at the Furs, which is the birthplace of Sir Edward Elgar. It does say Saint Edward Elgar. Does it? <laughs> have we missed something? I think we have, yeah. The exhibition 
comprising more than 50 paintings are currently on display in the newly refurbished visitor centre at the Lower Broadheath tourist attraction. Kirsty Bothmer, visitor experience officer, said, David is a well-known and loved Worcestershire artist and we are extremely happy for him to be our first artist exhibiting in the Caris Room under the National Trust's stewardship. David and his wife Linda have both been a visitor to the birthplace and local National Trust sites for many years, as well as being Worcestershire residents, which shines through in his work. She added, David's display of paintings launches our exciting programme of art, music and theatre exhibitions and performances planned for the Furs in years to come. These evocative detailed paintings represent some of Elwood, Edward Elgar's favourite views as well as sites of remembrance to the great man himself, including the birthplace cottage, Worcester Cathedral, the Elgar statue and of course the Malvern Hills. They will be on display from January until September in the Caris Room and Visitor Centre during our opening hours. The Furs only reopened on September the 1st under National Trust stewardship. The honour of cutting the ribbon during a moving opening ceremony fell to Hilary Elgar, Sir Edward Elgar's great-niece. This will be the first art exhibition for visitors to see, alongside the newly created exhibition space. All you need to write a symphony, brand new tea room and redisplayed birthplace cottage. Artist David tells us, for me, this is an opportunity to help celebrate the endeavors of the National Trust in promoting the spirit of Elgar and his beloved country. For more information, visit the website nationaltrust.org.uk forward slash the furs. And they do quite good green teas too. Is that oh, right? Oh, okay. Very good. Now this is about an internet wire that's been ripped down and it looks quite a lengthy piece. A resident has accused BT of ineptitude after waiting almost a week for an internet cable to be fixed. Steve Burrows said the wire was torn down by a tree which blew over in Church Lane, Whittington, near Worcester, on Thursday, January the 18th. Mr Burrow, who lives and works in the street, now has to use his mobile phone to access the internet. A spokesman for BT Open Reach said it was making every effort to complete the repair work by the end of the week. This was in yesterday's paper. <clears throat> Mr. Burroughs said, I only get a certain data allowance on my phone and it's using it up fast. I will have to pay for extra data. It's affecting my business. I rely on my broadband for access to my emails and documents. Croom Cuisine, also based in Church Lane, which makes cheese, has had to buy Dom rules to keep his business running. He needs the internet for taking orders. It's not the money, it's the sheer frustration and the ineptitude. 
Mr. Barrows, aged 59, who works from the home office, works for the home office, sorry, from home, wants BT Openreach to fix the cable as soon as possible. He said the cable was between two telegraph poles. When the tree came down, it tore the cable down but didn't break it. The landowner was straight out and chopped this huge tree up and cleared the road. Open reach then cut the cable. That they cut it off makes it worse. Mr. Burroughs added that the residents still had landline and internet access before BT cut the wire. He said they cut us off and now it's taking forever. We can't get an update for when they're doing anything. I'd like an update on when it's going to be done. The tree was down, blown down by the wind and blocked Church Lane on Thursday morning. A spokesman for BT Openreach said, I understand every effort is being made to complete the repairs before the end of this week. No road closures are required uh, to enable this work to be carried out safely. Engineers need to replace a section of the overhead cable that was brought down by a tree. As a result of this incident, 10 customers who could take their service from any communications provider are affected. It is regrettable when OpenReach suffers any accidental damage to its network. When that happens, every effort is made to restore the services of those affected as quickly as possible, which is what engineers are doing in this case. OpenReach apologises for any inconvenience caused and advises those people affected to contact their service provider, i.e. the company they pay their bill to, to see if they can arrange to divert incoming calls to an alternative number which the repair work is while well, the repair work is going on. Okay. Sorry about that. <laughs> Got a bit of Worcester sport here now. Warriors still in for Ace Lance. Bank's coach Sam Vesti has refused to rule out the possibility of Worcester Warriors signing fly half John O'Lance for next season. Warriors had been in discussions with Melbourne Rebels in a bid to retain Lance's services after the Australian made a big impact during his three-month stint at Six Ways. But the saga took another twist on Monday when it was announced that the 27-year-old would be joining Queensland Reds ahead of next month's Super Rugby season. The surprise move dashed Warriors' hopes of getting Lance back on board for the rest of this term. But Vesti admitted it was not out of the question for Worcester to land the playmaker in the 2018-19 campaign. For Jono to have signed for the Reds is disappointing for us, but that's the nature of rugby, Vesti said. It is not a case of no chance. We can sign him for next season, but it will be decided between the parties further down the line. If Warriors were able to pull off a deal to sign Lance, it is likely he would not join them until after Super Rugby season ends in August. But Vesti does not believe that would be an issue for the club nor for Lance. The former Western Force ace made eight appearances for Worcester and Vesti said he brought a breath of fresh air to six ways. 
Players of a certain calibre can, can definitely learn things very quickly and step in, Vesti said. Lots of people have done that in the past. Whether that's something that will happen is for the discussions further down the line. Jono is a really good ball player. He plays with confidence and brought a lot of confidence out of our guys. I think he was a breath of fresh air in that respect. We were on a bit of a downer and needed someone from the outside like him. He is a very good attacking rugby player and certainly added to us and gave us what we needed at the time. Lance arrived at Warriors in October after a turbulent spell with the Western Force who were axed from the Super Rugby competition due to financial reasons. Melbourne then announced the signing of Lance in late November but with the Rebels well stocked with playmakers and Quad Cooper set to leave the Reds, Lance saw an opportunity to return to his former club and nail down the number 10 shirt. I spent a lot of time at Ballymore in the early stages of my career, so it was a great feeling to be driving back through the gates again, Lance said. I know the guys have been working hard in pre-season, so I'm looking forward to seeing what happens over the next few weeks. It's really exciting to get back and pull on the Reds jersey again. Reds head coach Brad Thorne said Lance was a good fit for the squad and provided added depth and experience. Jono is a great addition to the squad, Thorne added. <laughs> He's well known as a good bloke and a tough footballer. He'll bring plenty of experience and smart rugby to the back line. So I think the Warriors lost out there. A primary school in Worcester is celebrating after maintaining its good rating from Ofsted. Redhill CE Primary School in Midhurst Close was inspected on December the 5th with the report published this month. Inspector Adam Hewitt met with head teacher Spencer Morris, teachers and governors. He observed five classes and spoke to pupils at lunchtime and lessons. The report found that the school continues to be good and that safeguarding is effective. In the report, Mr Hewitt said, You have high expectations of all members of the school community. You ensure that the school's values, including showing respect to all cultures and beliefs and making sure the school is a happy, friendly place where everyone has the chance to learn and achieves their best, are shared and promoted by all members of staff. As a result, relationships between adults and pupils are strong and productive and pupils are well prepared for life in modern Britain. Parents are extremely positive about the work of the school and appreciate what it provides for them and their children. He added, pupils are well behaved, polite and considerate. They show pride in their school and value what it offers them. They appreciate the opportunities that you and other members of staff create for them to take on responsibility and to help to shape the development of the school. The inspector said that in order to improve, leaders should ensure that additional training and support is provided so that all staff use a systematic approach to the teaching of phonics. He added that the school needs to continue to develop an extended leadership team as it grows in size. Red Hill is currently undergoing an expansion to become two form entry, which will see the number of pupils, pupils double from 210 to 420 in the next six years. Head Mr Morris said, We are really pleased with the Ofsted result. I would like to give thanks to the school governors, the parents and the staff too. 
He added that he was particularly happy with comments about the measured and highly considered approach to the school's expansion. But he also said, I would like to say that I do not believe that Ofsted is the be-all and the end-all of what makes a good school. Why are there so few disabled foster carers in the UK? That's the question of a new major research programme led by the University of Worcester. It's no secret that we need more foster carers to come forward, said Dr Peter Unwin, Principal Lecturer in Social Work at the University and Lead Researcher for the project. The Fostering Network estimates that we need 4,000 more carers in England and yet when we surveyed almost 500 foster agencies to ask if they had any disabled foster carers on their books, only six responded. And only a couple of those had some very limited experience of working with disabled people. The research entitled Mutual Benefits the potential of disabled people as foster carers has a £142,574 grant from the £5 million DRILL programme, which stands for Disability Research on Independent Living and Learning, funded by the National Lottery. Disabled people can often op offer a stable and supportive environment, but are not thought of as obvious candidates for fostering. This project should help identify why that is and what we can do to change it, Dr Unwin said. Think Tank Shaping Our Lives and Agency, the Foster Care Cooperative, will work with the university. There is a stigma attached to disability that determines how agencies view disabled people who might apply to be foster carers, Dr Unwin said. They tend to see only the disability and what you can't do. It's a negative mindset that is robbing children in need of a caring environment. Now here's another uh, health piece. Campaigners, activists and concerned residents from across Worcestershire are gearing up for the countrywide action in defence of the NHS. The event on Saturday, February the 3rd, is part of a National Day of Action organised by Health Campaigns Together and the People's Assembly Against Austerity. The rallies are being organised by its Our National Health Service, Worcestershire, a group which includes political parties, trade unions, campaign groups and individuals. A spokesman said, the increasing strain on NHS staff and services over this winter period, the downgrading of services and the threat of closure for local hospitals and key services, such as respite, has necessitated countrywide action. Oh no, sorry, it's countywide action. Campaigners and the wider public are still asking where is Worcestershire Acute Hospitals NHS Trust promised £29.6 million. In the current state of things, with the Trust paying around £46 million in medical negligence, 
Will the money even touch the sides? We want to know how the funding holes will be filled long term. This is against a backdrop nationally of continued attacks on the contracts and pay of NHS workers. Further cuts made under the guise of sustainability and transformation plans and the privatisation of services by the Conservative government. It's our NHS Worcestershire supporting all NHS workers and opposes any efforts to divert blame onto them. Samantha Charles, who is chair of West Worcestershire constituency Labour Party and Labour member of Morven Town Council, said we are delighted to join with other groups across Worcestershire to demand, to demand that the Conservative government fixes the NHS crisis now. The rallies are at Worcestershire Royal Hospital at 11am, Evesham Community Hospital at noon and Morven Community Hospital at 11am. So there you go. Okay, a former Olympic swimmer is set to head this year's Worcestershire Education Awards as a guest speaker. Duncan Goodhue, MBE, author and motivational speaker, will be helping to celebrate Worcester's most inspiring childminders, teachers or training providers, volunteers and community groups at a black tie gala ball this summer. The Olympian who won gold in the 100 metre breaststroke and bronze on the medley relay lost all his hair as a result of falling from a tree aged 10. Goodhue, who is also dyslexic, was motivated um, to change his life for the positive. The awards, which were organised by the Worcester News in partnership with the University of Worcester, showcase those that inspire our children. Okay, well, we've come to the end of this week's edition. I think we've all had our fill of uh, haggis and neeps and tatties. Oh, and, uh, and well done, Moira, who's still relatively so. Wow. Uh, yeah. uh, I'd like to thank the team and hope you've enjoyed it. Have a good week and we'll be back with you soon. Bye. Better news. Yeah.